Sometimes when things aren't going exactly the way you want them to, you would prefer to be or be doing something else. Um, no one likes to be in the situation in which they're kind of stuck in something or they're staying somewhere longer than they would prefer to stay, whatever the challenge is that uh, you or I face. And we know that Joseph was committed to be a man of integrity and did before God, even as a young man, uh, those things that uh, brought honor to God. But it didn't always work out that um, there was a, a, a directly connected link between doing right and being blessed. Sometimes the theology of that has some bumps along the way or there's a, there's a disconnect a little bit in terms of some timing of things. And in uh, today, as we move to the next chapter, chapter 40, uh, it's one of those kinds of stories. He's already in, in jail, in prison, uh, because he did right, because he refused to bend to the whim of Potiphar's wife and uh, because he stood for something, it resulted in the wrath of Potiphar and ended up putting him in prison. You don't know how long he's going to be there. Um, sometimes prisons are are of our own choosing and our own making. Sometimes prisons are things that are imposed upon us by circumstances around us. In the story today, we encounter uh, basically three characters, uh, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. No, no, that's a different story. Uh, that's a different story. Let me see. We're dealing with a, a baker and a cupbearer and Joseph. So turn with me to chapter 40 of the book of Genesis, and I'm going to read down through uh, this, this chapter. It's a couple verses shorter than the last one, and it moves along well. So follow along with me as I read. Um, I'm going to back up to verse 23. You may not have it, but, uh, but it reads this way. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, chapter 39, verse 23, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Uh, I don't know if, he said, if Joseph was sitting there in prison saying, I am not alone, I am not alone, but he, he might have benefited from such a song to be reminded that uh, that we need to remember who we are and whose we are in process and allow God to work with us. So sometime later, verse 1 begins, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master. Seems like those things happen from time to time. Uh, the king of Egypt, uh, Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, um, who were being held in prison, had a dream. The same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, 
who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? <clears throat> Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put it in the cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me, get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what that means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of the officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hands. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Um, we have uh, sayings. I, I, I like sayings. I, I like pithy sayings, kind of like memorable sayings, you know. Um, I don't know why... I just I just enjoyed doing reading those things. When we were in the Cumberland, we had a changing signboard, so you'd go out and change the letters, and, you know, put a new message up each week. So I got pretty familiar with short sayings, you know, kind of thing, and and what you would do with them. But uh, there are some that might apply to Joseph. I'm thinking here's one: no good deed goes unpunishment unpunished. Now that probably fits for him. Um, one one person told a story about a, a guy that was trying to encourage somebody else by saying, cheer up, things could be worse. And so the fellow followed the advice here, cheered up, and sure enough, things got worse. So there's something about that with the process. Sometimes that happens. And we were reminded last week that that's, 
probably about what happened to Joseph. He he did the right thing, but it didn't always result in a reward accordingly. So Joseph is in this prison, uh, languishing while God, the scriptures say, was with him and gave him success in whatever he did. We were reminded last week that that the geography is not the critical thing. It's important thing is what, what where is your heart? Where is your head? Uh, what is your what are you what is your purpose in terms of uh, choosing to follow Christ and and move after Him? So I want to look from the life lessons of Joseph, uh, and I want to remind you of a couple of things from this particular account that Joseph picked up along the way, and I think by example is of help to us. First. First lesson is this. When God, and, and this almost has a this almost has an Al Sharpton rhyme to it. Okay? And if you don't know who Al Sharpton is, you haven't been listening to Black Lives Matter anywhere in the world. But anyway, so be, be that as may. So here's here's the here's the rhymy feel to it. When God seems late and you have to wait, da-da, da-da, da-da. It almost feels that way to me anyways. But when God seems late and you have to wait, nobody likes to wait, but when you have to wait, purpose in your heart to remain faithful. Faithful. Uh, we, we sang all, all the songs today, all the songs. Uh, a little more reflective, you know, but faithfulness, faithfulness is what I long for. So when, when, when God seems seems late, and you have to wait, purpose to remain faithful. The first four verses of the 40th chapter tell us that story, and a reminder for us is that in this whole issue, that one of the hardest disciplines in the Christian life is waiting. Waiting. I have a sister who lives out in California, in Oakland area now, and moved out there a number of years ago. Is very much a left coast gal, um, and uh, she worked for a while at uh, what was called a clip joint. It has nothing to do with hair. It's it's a it's a like a like a news feeding service that gets a lot of information from various papers. You can tell how much things have changed in our day, but anyway. And then she would she would uh, post them and send them, and then they. This Allen's Clippery that she worked for uh, would would you know, make their money by posting, getting news feeds for people, or or somebody was looking for a particular topic, and then she would she loves to read, so she's a good reader. At any rate, among her reading things, she also ran into cartoons. So I, I was the beneficiary of cartoons from her. Every once in a while, she'd send me a packet of them. My favorite cartoons came from a character. Uh, 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 the cartoon strip was called Kudzu. I don't even know if, it, if it's done anymore. But Kudzu was a, an interesting character, group of people. But it was a little bit of a parody on a minister whose name was Reverend Will Be Done. What's that tell you? Okay, so so they had a little bit of fun. Reverend Will Be Done was a typical old preacher kind of thing. And uh, on, on one of the Kudzu cartoons, I, I, I recall, he, he said, he was, he's praying. He says, God, give me patience. 
that's one frame. The next frame is just very silent. And the third frame is presence yet? Got my patience yet? We're always in a hurry. We hate to wait for things. Waiting is no fun. But we've all had to wait one way or another. Maybe maybe had to wait for uh, grades. Maybe had to wait for graduation. Maybe had to wait for virtual graduation. You know, whatever whatever it is. Maybe had to wait for your first job offer. Do you remember? Ever in that mode of having to wait? Have you ever had to wait to see if the bank's going to give you a loan to buy whatever? Have you have you waited for the right time to start a family? Have you have you waited for a church to extend a call to you as their pastor? Have you waited for loved ones to come to Christ? Have you ever had to wait? to find out what God wants you to do? Have you had to wait for someone to buy your house? Have you had to wait for prayers to be answered? Have you had to wait for a husband to come home from a business trip? Waiting waiting is sometimes a tough spot. Truth be told, most of life is waiting. And there's a phrase that I use. Uh, it, it, hurry up. And wait. If you've been to PennDOT lately, hurry up and wait. In terms of renewal of licenses and all kinds of things like that. Now, one thing that can be helpful for us, and it might be a word of wisdom, I'm going to just put it this way the secret of your future is found in your daily routine. I know sometimes we don't like routine, but sometimes routine keeps us moving in order, it keeps us coming along, moving along in a particular direction. Elizabeth Elliot put it that way in one of her books when she talks about when you what to do when you hit a wall when you hit a, a tough spot and you get stuck she said when that happens she advises people to just get up and do the next thing get up and do the next thing because there is always a next thing that needs to be done that's the value of routine even in the waiting time god can use that time to remind you of the importance of the routine and importance of being faithful to him. Um, we've, we've come through and are, are still in process of a lot of the racial tensions in our day. And Martin Luther King's name has popped up from time to time. And in, in one setting, he put the word this way. Whatever your life's work is, do it well. A man should do his job so well that the living, the dead, and the unborn could do it no better. If it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Like Shakespeare wrote poetry like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. The value of faithfulness in keeping at things 
when you have to wait. This is the challenge. So the question that we have to ask in the whole process is this. Will we be faithful where we are when at times life does not seem to make a lot of sense? I can envision Joseph not chewing on some of these things. God, what are you up to in the midst of this? Why did you put me from the place where I was doing so well, it seemed, and your favor was upon me, and, and that was a very positive thing. Why, why do I have to do this prison thing? Why do I have to go that direction? And the reminder for him and for us is that at times when God seems late, we need to purpose to remain faithful to him. There's a second lesson. The second lesson is simply this. When God seems late and you have to wait, purpose to remain available. Available. Verses 5 through 8 of the story, you can find that they've been in custody with the cupbearer and the baker for some while, and they had the dream, and then there was this interpretation, and those, those kinds of things, the story you're familiar with from that side. Um, it seems that through the life of Joseph, there are dreams throughout his encounter. And I don't, I don't know uh, if, I, I know that God longs to speak to us. I know he clearly speaks to us through his word. I don't know if he speaks all the time through dreams, but he used dreams in Joseph's journey to, to get his attention, to give him direction. And so we have to be open to that. I, I think we, we want to make sure that we don't live our life based upon dreams. We live our life based upon the word. But when God gives you a dream about something, uh, don't discount it and say, boy, it must have been that pizza I ate last night. It may be that God is trying to get your attention and capture your heart a bit. So be open to what it is and, and, and evaluate that. Uh, there are dreams all through Joseph's story. In verse, uh, chapter 37, he, he has his, he has. He has them. He has two men have them here in verse in chapter 40. Pharaoh will have a two-part dream next week, and that'll be another, another story. In each case, the dreams prove crucial in Joseph's life. Um, one of the things we might not always appreciate or remember is that sometimes God does some of his best work in prison. Now, when I was growing up uh, and began to attend the Alliance Church in Erie, um, once a month we would go down to the prison, the local county prison, and, and do the service, do a service in the morning before church at the jail. And so we'd go and sometimes we'd provide special music or have someone go speak, and we, we'd do that. But the nice thing about that is I could go in there and know that I was going to go out. I wasn't going to be staying there long, you know, just long enough to be I'm on the right side of the bars, and, and that was okay. I probably prefer to do that. I don't know. I have never been in jail. Do, my, do you remember me being in jail for anything? Like Drunk and disorderly or anything? You don't remember anything like that? Okay. All right. I, so I don't, I don't, I've never been in jail for anything. So I don't have much of an appreciation for what it is of being and, and but I can envision um, that that particular experience can provide a lot of time for God to do something. Let me give you some stories of people 
who were in jail. One man's name was John Bunyan. John Bunyan goes to prison, and out comes Pilgrim's Progress. Another man is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He goes to prison, prison for his faith, and out comes the cost of discipleship. Chuck Colson, maybe a little bit more contemporary, goes to prison and out comes a worldwide ministry called Prison Fellowship. God does some of his best work in prison. So when God seems late and you have to wait, purpose to be faithful, purpose to be available, but don't despise the waiting period, the waiting time, because he's longing to capture your heart and attention. And even in the prison situation, it, uh, it's something that can be a beneficial experience along the way. Joseph's example leads me to ask this question. Are you ready to serve God? I don't know if I put it up there. Yeah. Are you ready to serve God right where you are, even when you'd rather be somewhere else? Where is the somewhere else for you, maybe, that you're wrestling with now? I'd prefer to have a different job. I'd prefer to have a different I'd prefer to be in a different spot. I'd prefer to be doing a different ministry. I'd prefer to be whatever it is. Are you willing to serve God where you are right now? God has put you, yuns, if I was in Pittsburgh, yuns together uh, to, to speak into each other's lives. And, and everybody in this room, I suspect, longs to have more people to be able to serve and encourage and minister to. But are we willing to serve him right now where we're at and trust him for a preferred future? Trust him for days ahead. Serve him where you're at right now. Another lesson in the process is this, that when God seems late and you have to wait, Purpose to remain confident, faithful, available, confident. Your confidence in Christ. Verse 14 says, but when all goes well with you, remember me, Joseph says, and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. If Joseph had been unfairly treated and if he's not guilty, then why shouldn't he seek his release? That would be a natural course for him. If you're in prison, you want to get out as soon as you possibly can. And in Joseph's case, he truly hadn't done anything wrong. And so the, the question that he asks of, the, of the, the one that's going to be exalted or put back into position, just remember me, just remember me when you come back before the king. He's faithful and available to serve God where he is. And yet, on the other hand, he doesn't want to stay in this place forever, in this prison forever. It's as if he's saying, I'm here, but this isn't my whole life. This is just a, a waiting area. This is a staging area for something else. And it takes two years, two years before his request leads to his release. And yet I, I don't think that he ever regretted 
what he said. Saying, remember me. There are, there are some movies that I, uh, I, I watch from time to time. Um, one that's a, kind of a rough movie uh, of sorts is a movie called Shawshank Redemption. And I find the characters in it kind of fascinating, and, and regardless of all the plot of that. But, but there's a scene in that movie where the man who is falsely accused of murdering his wife uh, and 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 uh, her lover, uh, the guy's name is Andy Dufresne in the character in the story. He's talking with his old friend Red in the prison yard, and they're discussing Andy's hope of being able to get out of prison someday. And Red says, in essence, "Hope is a dangerous thing. You got to give that up." He says. Look at us. We'll never get out of here. And Andy pauses for a moment, and then he says, well, I guess it comes down to this. It's a simple choice. Get busy living or get busy dying. Since we won't be here forever, we might as well have a blast while we last. That would be a perhaps a, a, phone, a, a line from a folk singer, a, a, a if I said Joan Baez, that may not meet anything. Maybe, I don't know, maybe too long ago. But anyway, uh, that, that, okay, all right, that's helpful. I just didn't know how relevant it would be. But the, the point is, you, she would put it this way. You don't get to choose how you're going to die or when. You only get to choose how you're going to live now. You don't get to choose how you're going to die or when, you only get to choose how you're going to live now. Faithful, available, confident in what Christ is doing and will do in your, in your journey. Uh, there's, a, there's a poem called The Dash. I, it's kind of fascinating. If you, uh, I hope this isn't morbid obsession, but... Do you, enjoy, do you ever enjoy going to cemeteries and looking at headstones? I think they're kind of interesting, you know. They have a variety of, of things, you know. Some are very ornamental, ornate, lots of words, and some are, are just rather quite simple. But in, in many of them, they're simply uh, in between the dates is this dash, this dash. I read a little poem about it, the dash. That's a remind, helpful reminder. He says, story goes, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little time or line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change 
for you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel. And be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat them, if we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when, when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? Um, just a simple reminder of how we choose to live in the situations in which we find ourselves. I'm thinking that for Joseph, at least, he could have asked fairly enough some questions. Verse 23, for instance, put it this way. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. That just tight ending on the chapter. And sometimes we have a bunch of what-if situations. But, but, but what if this happens? What if that happens? And we, we sometimes get ahead of ourselves or we sometimes get a, a little behind in obedience to God. Sometimes we, we don't keep on pushing and living and trying to do our dash well, we might ask questions like, well, what if I lose my job? Or what if, what if that person never asked me out again on another date? What, what, if, I, what if I don't have children? What if I don't, if I don't get married? What if, what if things don't work out? What happens if I run out of money? That seems to be of concern to many people these days. What if, what if I lose that job? What if I... What if our children get sick? What, what if I can't find a place to live? What, what, if, what if I don't get accepted at school? What if, what if that chemo doesn't work? What if she files for divorce? What if the church splits? A lot of what-if situations. And yet, in the midst of all of those what if scenarios, the thing to be remember is that even in the waiting period of a prison, even in that waiting time when God seems late, time is no complication to God. It's, it's not, not a problem. A.W. Tozer put it this way. He said, God never hurries. God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. He never hurries. I used a phrase last week, there may come times when God may seem slow, but he is never late. He's never in a hurry. He's never late. He's never behind schedule. Even though the cupbearer forgot Joseph, who didn't? God. God didn't. And so you may find yourself waiting somewhere today. What are you going to do while you wait? Will you be faithful where you are, even when you prefer to be somewhere else? Will you be available to him? Will you remain confident in him and what he can do? When you start talking about waiting, there's this wonderful verse from Isaiah, 
chapter 40. And it says, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. On our way up today, we uh, decided to listen to uh, Enlightened Station on a satellite thing that we had. And uh, usually that has a bunch of uh, uh, Southern Gospel, uh, you know, twangy kinds of songs, you know, with a ban- I, there was one with a banjo in it today, you know, so there was a bit. But it was, it was intriguing to us that they were doing a, a lot of hymns, old hymns. And uh, I, this was just nice to hear, good to hear, that kind of thing. But I, I love I love the hymns of the church, and, and some of them are uh, theological fortresses. They have a lot of good stuff in them in terms of to build your life upon. So I worship with a Bible in one hand and a hymnal in the other. I think I've used that phrase before. And if that makes me bipolar, that's okay. I remind myself of the words of a British poet named William Cowper. And he, as a minister, struggled mightily with issues of depression and and pretty much during his whole ministry lived under that cloud of depression for much of his life. But out of his suffering comes a, a hymn that he penned long time ago, 1774. So here's the, here's the hymn. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Let God be God, and all will be well. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. I I wonder if Joseph sensed the, the frowning providence of God, even in the prison in which he was and soon would discover this smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. Uh, Oh, okay. I was wondering, I didn't remember putting that on the PowerPoint, but you're all looking, so I thought, I must have done that. Uh, So anyway, good. Uh, uh, But the the power of of an old hymn, God moves in a mysterious way. Um, So I don't know where you're at in your journey today. Uh, Maybe everything's just coming fine. Maybe, Maybe you're, you're, Maybe you're Genesis 39 and things are really going very well until you hit a speed bump and things change. But remember, 
that God is still sufficient for you even in the midst of the waiting room, whether it's a prison or whatever it may be, uh, where you have to hurry up and wait. Uh, he still is longing to use you. So when God seems late and you have to wait, purpose in your heart to remain faithful, available, confident in him. Allow him to use you where he's at. When I was growing up um, as a young person, um, I was a new Christian, um, and there were times when I could, I would find myself uh, either overwhelmed or despondent. Uh, and, and at times it was because maybe I had come to Christ and not many of my family embraced that. And that, that would just kind of weigh on me. And uh, we had an old, we had an old Victrola. Okay, so that just kind of puts you back in dark. Anyway, had a record player and in cabinet kind of thing. And there were some, there were some songs that uh, I could play. Uh, and they, they were, I think they were hymns. But I remember some of them uh, that I would just, if I, they, everybody else is gone, I would be alone. And I'd put them on. And sometimes just the words of those songs I would listen to again and again and again. And they would just kind of soak down inside my soul and provide this sense of peace and confidence and hope in the midst of the trial or the challenge that I faced. So here's what I'd like to do as we close today. Um, we're going to have the, the team do a, a song, a reprise on the one song that we did. Um, that, that I want you to, I want, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to just sit and soak. Listen to the words. If you want to hum along or you want to sing along, fine. But, but let the words just kind of trickle down into you and let the heart of that music capture your heart and mind and uh, remember that you are not alone. Father, uh, thank you that you promise us in your word you never leave us or forsake us. And where we find ourselves right now, uh, we may be in a good spot. Things may be going well. <clears throat> but when there come those times when uh, we just need to lean into you, press into you, help us to remember that we're not alone. <clears throat> so wherever wherever these dear friends find themselves in the journey, be everything that they need. Be everything that they need. And meet them for the greater glory of God. Thank you for the privilege of worship. Thank you for the privilege of reflecting upon your goodness and your greatness and your faithfulness. Accept our thanks. Use us as we move from this place to serve people you'll put us in touch with this week who might be in a prison, who might need a word, 
of encouragement and help. Bless, I pray, each one as they have come and now as they go. In the strong name of Jesus the Christ we pray, and all God's people say, Amen and Amen. Go in his grace, greet one another as you go.